All right, everybody. So today is Sunday, March 18th, and you're listening to Preserve the Hobby. And as always, I think I'm joined by Ken Kinsley. Ken, can you hear me? Drew can hear me. Drew can hear me. So that, I'll take that for now. Let's see if Ken gets in there in a minute. Um, there he is. So there's Ken. You there? Holla, holla, holla. Awesome. So everybody's here for now. Um, like I said, today is Sunday, March 18th. This is Preserve the Hobby. And are you guys watching any basketball? I'm feeling pretty good because my Syracuse Orange just beat Michigan State this afternoon. So are you guys watching any basketball? Oh, yeah. I've been watching as much as I can. <laughs> my little one's obsessed with it. So we watch the tournament quite regularly. <laughs> nice. There's some so- kind of... Is there some kind of basketball thing oh, going on I don't, don't know about? Don't start that. We know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's this little thing. You're not missing much, you know. So, as usual, Ken is here. Ken from Beans Ball Card Blog. So, go ahead and introduce yourself, Ken. And I'm Ken. I have Beans Ball Card Blog. Uh, most specifically, probably anybody listening knows me from Twitter, Beans B Card Blog, and all of my uh, idiocracy I post on there like basketball tournament nonsense so and then this new voice that you're hearing is drew and drew is from let me get that potograph so drew introduce yourself a little bit as well what's up everybody my name's drew if you listen to the show i host let me get that potograph a podcast about the hobby and sports in general it's a lot of fun and uh really glad to finally be on the show man it's been i've been wanting to be on for a while we're yeah, I got yeah. I, I got to say something, Drew. You have the best voice in sports card <laughs> podcasting. I love it, man. Even though I Seriously? don't care about some of the things y'all talk about, just because everybody collects differently, I can't skip an episode. Wow, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. He he's probably right because there is a there's a nice uniqueness to it that's different and everything's pretty clear and pretty understandable and you guys are very down to earth um as we try to be as well so i'll I'll agree with ken on this one first time for everything yeah yeah yeah. so drew (laughs) tell us a little bit about the podcast i mean to me it's a little bit newer than it is to ken i believe i've listened to a handful of episodes but you guys are on episode 24 25 yep 24 uh we just we just celebrated six months on the on the pod waves i guess you'd call it uh so yeah we're relatively new in the game um but it's uh it's growing fast thanks to really guys like you uh ken you've been a great help all you guys have supported us it's been wonderful and uh it's growing real big we love we love the hobby, myself included. I love it to death. And with my three-year-old son, he's already penny-sleeving cards and getting into the hobby. So it's something that I care deeply about and something that I love talking about. And I hope that I hope everybody enjoys the show. We try and, you know, provide an unbiased opinion. And, you know, if we don't agree with something, try to attacked and... <laughs> Hopefully everybody enjoys it. We just we just want to want to have fun. You know, it's 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 a hobby. It should be fun. And often it gets taken way too seriously. And, you know, just something to 
have a little fun with. Well, and that's what I love about, you know, even with, you know, it seems like the podcast, you know, it seems like there's a new one coming every six months. I just feel like there's room because everybody is so different. The Beckett guys, they have their way of doing things. Uh, you have your way of doing things. You have your segments. like they do, Absolutely. They're, and I, they're different segments. Jason and I, we sit here and talk about cards. We don't have segments. It's just kind of what's on our mind. We know what sports card radio is. You know, everybody has their thing, and that's why I think there's a place for all of us. Well, and the one thing I love about it, and this is right when I started, right when we started, I realized that, you know, the hobby, everybody, you know, it's close and it's a tight-knit community, the hobby in general. But when you get into the blog and the podcast area of everything, it's a really tight-knit community and everybody helps each other out. It's not a cutthroat, try and, you know, put each other's down or try and make someone else's better everybody really you know supports each other and it's it's a beautiful thing and i think that's where i think that's what makes it so great because like you said all the shows you know focus on something a little different and all of them have their different feel but everybody supports one there and it it you know it brings that sense of community and it you know it's something that when i started it was something that i didn't expect and something that i'm really honored to be a part of i'm blown away and honored every week that people love listening to the show and you know it's something that i love to do and it's just it's just nice to know that people like to hear it (laughs) so i do have a question for you before we get into the topic that we brought you on for your segment and from what i've heard it seems like it's in every every episode segment the scammer of the week is that what it is Yes, it's uh yeah, it's um it's not every week yet. Eventually we may put it in every week, but uh as of now it's you know every every couple of weeks. But yeah, it's a scammer of the week. Yeah, so since that was, started, that's been that's been my favorite from your very first one. I'm pretty sure I uh blew you up on Twitter after that first one and yeah, I look forward to that every time. So was there a reason that you guys uh, started that? Like a personal experience or Yeah, well um um, well, I actually, on the Facebook groups, there's a group called Sports Card Scammers Exposed, right. which is, uh, and we ha- and it's now branched off into a website as well. And I'm an admin there, and I have been for a couple of years. And so I've been working and stopping scams for a couple of years. And I mean, I've physically gotten cards back for people a couple of times. Like, we do as much as we can, you know, to help and, you know, give people the tools necessary to avoid certain people. And uh, it really just grew out of that. And my idea of, well, everybody's not on Facebook and everyone's not aware of these lists. And some of these guys are very, very active. We've pretty much made it impossible for them to do it on Facebook. So naturally I assume they're going to start going to Twitter, Instagram, and the other places. And the way I look at it is it's just a way to shine a light on some people that, you know need to be need to be known because uh you know it started with me the whole reason I even became an admin was because I was about to make a trade with a very infamous scammer uh that we talked about on the show and he was about to take me for almost my entire collection and if it hadn't been for that site I would have lost pretty much everything 
And uh, so, you know, it grew out of that and it grew out of just wanting to bring awareness and show everybody, you know, some of these guys that are out there. No, I would say everybody appreciates it because especially for me, um, I don't necessarily do a ton of research because I don't do a ton of trades, but the names that I've heard, I've kind of made a mental note and keep that in there just in case. So it is definitely beneficial to everybody, I would think. Well, good. I'm glad. I hope people take something from it because, uh, you know, that's, that's what we do the page. I mean, we spend all of us spend, I mean, it's almost a full-time job to deal with it. We deal with hundreds of scams a week and <laughs> the list imagine, is yeah. incredibly large. Sadly, we have to deal with that much, but you know, the, the whole idea is to cut that down and hopefully, I mean, we've seen a cut down in it and hopefully in the near future, we can make it that much smaller, you know? All right. So the topic that we, we brought you on for is a new topic and we've kind of messaged back and forth and talked a little bit and you seem to have some strong opinions. So we'll see how it goes, but this tops living set um, for everybody that doesn't know tops released a, an on-demand set this week where you can purchase individual cards or the three that get released every week. Uh, I'll try to make it as simple as possible. Basically, the set will continue for as long as for the foreseeable future. Three cards are released per week on demand, and you can buy the set at a discount. You can buy the singles, or you can buy the singles in bulk at a discount as well, kind of like the tops now, where you can get them for $3.75, $4 a piece. Um, everything has the 1953 tops design. The first card was Aaron Judge, number two was Joe Panic, and number three was Nick Castellanos. And I'll go to I'll go to Ken first. Ken, what what were your thoughts when you saw this, and what do you think now that maybe it's been a couple of days? Well, the funny thing is, when it first came out, I didn't really read about it. Uh, you guys know I'm not a baseball guy, and I, you know, Eastern Modern is waning across the board, so I didn't really read a lot about it, but. I saw some of the reaction on Twitter, positive, negative. When we said we were going to talk about it here, I looked into it a little bit more. I know probably anybody that knows me thinks I'm going to poo-poo it, but the fact of the matter is I try to take something like this and relate it to what if it was hockey? Would I like it? Or what if it was all vintage players or old players, something like that? I like the concept. I, I can understand the – trepidation people have i can understand you know the the price but nobody's saying you have to buy a complete set how many complete tops now sets are out there i don't think it's a whole lot i really like it though it's different it's unique we know that innovations are going to have to be made for the hobby to survive to even survive i mean especially to flourish but even to survive Things are some new things are going to have to happen, and I happen to I think it's worth a shot. It could fail, but I like the concept, I like the idea, and I'll buy a Jed Jerko if we get there. <laughs> so, I mean, come on, so there's Drew, Nick Castellanos and Joe Panic. Come on, and that's true, and that's one of my opinions. And I know, Drew, you said you had a lot to say on this topic, so let me let me say one thing real quick, sure. With it being Judge, Joe Panic, and Nick Castellanos for the first three cards, 
it seems to me that it won't be a three card release on a week that is Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, Mike Trout. It seems that it'll be the superstar and then two of these other guys that are stars, obviously major leaguers in their own right, but you're not really going to buy them unless you're a team collector, player collector, or set collector. You're not going to just whimsically buy Nick Castellanos for $7.99 just because. So that's where my thought is they're going to release these probably strategically to where it's not just superstar loaded. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely agree with that. And, uh, in terms of the set, um, I had actually was unaware of this until you and me spoke about it the other day. I didn't even know that this set was a thing. And so I started looking into it and reading up on it. And like, uh, like Ken had said, you know, and different things have to be done in order to survive. And a lot of like right now, you know, with tops now and Panini instant, the companies are really trying to start these new types, these new types of ways to do this stuff. And I, I love the set personally. I think it's awesome. Um, I love the idea of it. And first of all, the design itself, they couldn't have picked a better year in my opinion because I just love that classic look that it has. Um, and I do like that, you know, it's only the cards are only available for purchase for a week. So it's going to have some limit to it. You know, it's not going to be mass produced. You're not going to be able to buy the judge like a year later, you know, it, unless you're on the secondary market. Um, so, I mean, I, I really like the idea. It's something very interesting and, it's it's definitely different. I love the I love the artwork. The uh, the artist, um, what's his name, uh, Mayumi Sato. He's always done some great art, and really, this is no this is no exception. All the cards look beautiful so far, um, from what I've seen, and uh, I think. I think they've got a really good chance to have something really cool here if they do it right. It's all about the execution. I hope they don't I hope they don't try and make it too too flashy and start adding too much to it with parallels and all this type of stuff. If they keep it simple and keep it going, I think for set collectors and stuff like that, I think it's a pretty pretty cool set that has the potential to be great. So how do you feel about, how do either of you guys feel about the print run possibility? Because we could start out, and I'll give you a little bit of stats of what I've seen on eBay. So eBay, the secondary market, will say there were, as of yesterday, 16 completed auctions for these cards. Okay. 13 were judges, which I can, I can expect that. Absolutely. Three Joe Panics and two Nick Castellanos. And then one person had all three listed and completed. So roughly 20 cards were completed sales on eBay. Roughly $5 a piece because people can get them for the discount of $375 if they buy 20. But right. I'm afraid that this is going to be like the first Tops Now release where nobody knew what it was. And those first couple cards, the print run is low, not significantly like 
50 or 45 or anything like that. It's 100, 150. But I'm afraid that Panic and Nick Castellanos are going to be possibly under 100. And then this whole set, the most there will be is 100 sets. I agree. That's the right. dislike that I have. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And that's that would be as well as, uh, you know, the – Every everything about the hobby nowadays is about exclusivity. You know, the lower the number, the better it is. You know, that's what everyone's wanting and what everything's about. And just one thing that I could see an issue with is, you know, the judge is going to be obviously out of these three. We'll just use these three as an example. The judge is obviously going to be the most sought after one. Right. Well, his yeah, without a doubt. I guarantee you his print run is going to be – 10 times the print run of the other two. And so, <laughs> I mean, really, uh, to me, it's just a little, it's odd and it's one of those quirks to it. And I think it's one of those things that, you know, it, it could benefit him in the long run, but it could also, you know, come back to bite him in the butt. I mean, I agree that uh, it's not, I'm not going to lie. That was one of the things I thought about. And to be honest, I'm contemplating just going ahead and buying one of each. I'm not really an investor, but it's something different. And like you said, I mean, uh, like in the tops now, wasn't it Francisco Liriano? Was he card number one? He was number two. Okay. I think the Royal, yeah, he was, the Royals card was number one. Yeah. And it's like astronomical. And again, it's just it's an interesting thing that if I hold on to it and have it 10 years from now and this is a living set and it's still going on and this is the greatest thing ever, you know, what can I trade for it? What can I do? Because it's not right. something that I extremely care about. But for the $5 price, I'm going to buy one of each. You know. I would even imagine that when these are no longer for sale, and I want to say it's Wednesday, uh, might be Thursday, whenever they're no longer for sale, they're $5, like I said, roughly on eBay right now. I would think Thursday when the print run is released, it'll jump to 15 or $20 at least for panic and Castellanos. So, I mean, if you yep, buy, I, I think now's the time. Absolutely. And that's, that's one thing with this set. If you're, if you're wanting to get them and you're one of those guys that's doing it to invest in it and stuff like that, then absolutely are going to want to get them from the set as opposed to buying them on the secondary market. Because at one, like you said, once those print runs are released, you can forget about the top asking price on the website. You know, it's going to skyrocket. And, you know, if, if this catches on, then I mean, some of these cards could be huge. I mean, if they, you know, being a top living set and that they can do them, you know, pretty regularly, uh, let's say a surprise rookie catches on or something and catches on fire, you know, they can start putting him in pretty quickly. And, you know, the neat thing about it is they kind of have control over who they can release and when they can release it. And, you know, that, that kind of makes it a little more fun uh, in terms of looking at it and everything and getting, putting the set together. Um, but I'd say the best the best thing that I like about it is that they are available for, for purchase for just one week. I think that's awesome, and I think it really helps. I think it helps make the product a little more desirable. But it's definitely it's definitely interesting and something that I thought Tops Now and Panini Instant were 
pushing the boundaries a little bit. This is really, <laughs> this is really taking a step forward and really doing something quite different. I mean, I, the the most I could compare it to would be Panini's Super Bowl insert uh, that they do cross product, you know, year after year. Um, but even that's in boxes. So doing it online and stuff like this, you know, it's interesting. But once those, once that week's over, yeah, the prices are definitely going to be shooting up on the secondary market. And, and I'm going to go with the assumption. Let's just play with the assumption that this is successful. This catches on. This is in the next eight to ten years, and this is a set that becomes. I don't, right. I don't even know what the math would be. What's that? A hundred fifty I mean, looking- cards a year. So you're getting up to a thousand, you know, over a thousand cards in about eight years. Well, we talk about, you know, guys that are, I think we're all kind of in that same age range and how many people leave the hobby and then come back Well, in the next five years, how many people come back, didn't buy these decide, Hey, this is something cool that I want to do. This is different. This, this wasn't my teenage years card collecting. And like we said, there's, 75 Joe Panics and 75 Nick Castellanos out there. Right. Just, it's not even the so people that are in the hobby now. It's to me, it's an, it's an interesting thought years. process on the future of the hobby and the people that will come in. So here's a question I have for you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Cause it's a new question. Oh no. I was just saying that uh, absolutely. Because the, the new people that will be coming into the hobby if they if they're not ones that are returning but people that are just getting into it you know they're part of that online era that everything online generation and so this really could be massively appealing to the younger generation coming up because you know they're much more online oriented and stuff like that and lcs's and stuff may not be what they grew up doing like I did, you know, going and buying packs at the LCS. They're mostly used to the eBay generation, uh, the buying online. So this could appeal to them. And like I said, I mean, it, that could make it an enormous hit. So it, that's something that I hadn't thought about, but it is going to be interesting to see in the next couple of years when, you know, those people do come in, what the demand is for this product, because I really could see it being pretty big. Yeah, and it's not something I'm going to keep up with other than, you know, hopefully whenever Jed Jerko hits, you know, I'm going to buy 10 of them or so. And i got to hope that Jason is uh, remembers to remind me that, hey, it's this week, you got to do it. But, you know, a lot of us have enough cards. And since this isn't something I'm extremely interested in, especially going forward, I'm going to get these three cards probably. I'm going to put them in my trading card database inventory. I'm going to put them in a box. And I'm going to probably forget about them until I happen to be thumbing through that box again. (laughs) Yeah. But the nice thing is for you or somebody like you, that's a casual oddball baseball. If it's the right kind of product collector, it's available for a week and there's only three cards. So they're not asking you to pay 50 a week like they do on some of the on-demand sets. And they're giving you a whole week to spend $15. So it's not $50 every week, every week, every week, you know, and you can get the one that you want for eight, or you can get the grouping of three for 15 directly from tops. And that's where I think it's nice that they give you that time. It's not a huge buy-in and that casual collector. Okay. I get it. It's $15 a week. It's $60 a month, but 
these are limited. There's a print run. This isn't $60 for a box of tops that you might get a $4 relic out of, you know? So I do think that helps the casual collector. I think that's where, I think that's where this set's going to hit the most is because once, you know, the print runs and stuff like that are stated and stuff, uh, you know, that's going to cause some demand. Like, I mean, I mean, I know we're talking about Joe Panic and Castellanos here, but let's say this week ends and like you said, their print runs under a hundred or so, or let's say next week, some random lower name guy gets, you know, 30 or 40. Well, if he ends up exploding then you know, that card could end up being one of his most desirable cards. And so I think there's a lot of potential and a lot of, a lot of different things that could happen. I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting to me and it's something that, you know, I'm not going to be one that's going to be buying it every week. When I see a Jarrell Cotton or a Jeff Hoffman, any of my ECU pirate guys that make it to the pros, I'd love to have them. Um, and I'll be picking them up, but, uh, you know, it's, it's something different and there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff with it. It's, it's definitely something that intrigues me quite a bit. So he, here's the question that I have. And to me, this is the million dollar question. They announced that they are going to release every player once, unless that player changes teams. And this is a living set. So let's say, let's just say Arietta was in the first batch and he got released as a Cub. We'll just, you know, throw that out there since that's recent. Well, now he's a Philly. Let's say Arietta was number two out of the three. Do you think Arietta gets re-released as like 175 or do you think Arietta gets re-released as number two to where there are two number twos? Huh, That that's a good question and... Uh, I'm not really sure how Tops would do that. I think. What would you guys like to see? Me personally, I would like to see him just continue it. I don't. It doesn't need to be two two number twos in my eyes. I think it should just be a continuation of the set because you know be a different print run and it would be a different team and stuff like that. Right. Um, So I would hope that they would just continue, you know, with the numbering that they have, but. It's tops. You never know. <laughs> it could end up being they could end up be treating that as a variation. I could easily see them uh, making if a te- if a player switches teams and he's already in, like like you said with Arietta, if he was already in the set and he got traded, I could easily see them making the the traded or the new team version a variation or a SP variation of some sorts. Um, you know how Tops likes to play with variations and parallels like crazy. So, uh, I mean, I could see it like that. But me personally, I mean, I think if you're going to do a living set and you're going to make it uh, continue every single week, then in my eyes, you just got to make it that next number, whatever that number is. I don't really think I need to say anything else. I get, I, uh, exactly. I would love to see it just as a new number, but we know how Tops just – they heart their variations. So yeah. I think it's a coin flip on what they decide to do. And, you know, who knows when that happens. And then the other interesting thing to me is when those changes start to happen. So let's just say it's trade deadline because that's probably when it'll happen. Do you release or do you, I'm sorry, do you uh, release the second of 
immediately, almost immediately of the star that gets traded, or do you wait till next year, or what do you do? It'll be it'll be fascinating to see how they go about that because, like we said, they're not they're not in the first three. They're only releasing one superstar. They're not going to blow their load on the first five to ten weeks. All the superstars be out, and then it's just you know role players after that. So it'll be interesting to see how they treat that going forward as well it will and especially considering that these aren't actual photographs but they're painted versions that's a good call so so like if he does change teams you know like i mean i guess they could tell him to hurry up and make it and get arietta in that new jersey quick but i mean it could you know it could end up taking a while and i think that could actually be a drawback for the set for tops because Arietta go as an example, going to the Phillies, those Philly card immediately. And so being able to get it out there quickly would be to their benefit. But considering that these aren't actual photographs and that they are drawings, uh, I don't, I, I really don't know how they're going to do it. It's going to be interesting to see, but I have a feeling it's going to be, you know, you're going to have to wait a while to get those guys. Well, on the other hand, they also have tops now. So they have a system in place to already produce that very quick turnaround card. Uh, Another thing I was thinking that I think would be interesting is, so let's say, let's just stick with Jake Arietta and he's card two. Does his second card? I, I don't know. I think this would be interesting. Would you use this because you were talking about the turnaround time? Would you use the same pose with a different uniform, almost like an airbrush? That exactly, yeah. That, that I think that I could see where some people would like that. Like, I would think that would be cool. I'm an each row collector, and he's played for what every team now, you know, to see that. I love to see that same card in a not in a nine pocket sheet. Nine times, same pose, different uniforms. I think that would be something unique. As a rainbow collector and a guy that focuses on stuff like that, I think that would be incredible. I think I think it would be a really unique uh, type of rainbow type of set. You know what I mean? And so I agree. I think that that's something that that's a really good question. And I mean, I. I'm getting, I guess we'll be finding out soon enough, but uh, it's definitely interesting. The possibilities, it seems like, are endless. And, you know, in a case like that and any of these, you know, the case of the numbering and the case of do you use a new do you use a new painting or do you just change the teams? Kind of once they go with one strategy, I mean, you're kind of stuck with it, you, you know, so hopefully these are the things they're thinking of ahead of time. Yep, and that's that's what I hope more than anything is that if you're going to do something like this, you've really, I mean, at least in my eyes, you've really got to go into it knowing exactly what you're going to do. And I really hope they've got a dedicated team uh, that's going to be working on this and figuring this stuff out because, I mean, these these questions that we're posing are going to have to be answered very quickly, and they, they need to have a plan in place for that. And I'm hoping that they do. Well, and honestly, I hope Tops had this same exact conversation before they finalized the first three because there are so many options and so many directions they can go. 
and we're just three guys that are collecting and we have probably 20 questions already. Exactly. Well, you know, that, and that's, that's, go ahead, Drew. Oh no, I was going to say, that's the biggest takeaway that when I, when I found out about this set, when you told me about the set and I looked at it immediately, I just saw, I was like, well, they could go so many directions with this and so many different things that they could do. And so, I mean, it really posed more questions than any info that they gave. Well, I was just going to say, when I win Powerball or Mega Millions and buy tops, we'll have this discussion quickly so that we can get this addressed, you know, by the trade deadline this year. (laughs) Well, apparently they're for sale. I don't know if we can believe it or not, but apparently uh, they may be for sale. So if you hit that lotto, hopefully you will be owning tops. You (laughs) You guys will both have new jobs. I don't want to, you know, talk about the same thing, you know, forever necessarily, but I did see on Net54 on their forum, somebody had posted about this, this set. And the first response from somebody was, well, I heard they're for sale. Wonder how long this would continue if they were sold. And I don't think that that would necessarily change overnight, but it would be interesting to see if a new ownership or a new, uh, CEO or anything like that changes their direction. It'll be all about the profit. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I think, and that, that's what it's going to come down to is if they think it's financially viable, they'll keep it up. But, uh, that's the, that's a really, that's the really interesting thing about the top sale. If it does go through, I mean, it, everything could change or nothing could change. And so with tops, with tops right now, there's a lot of questions and, uh, this set, you know, poses quite a few. And I mean, now granted it is the first week and I'm pretty sure it's going to become a lot more clear in the near future, how they're going to be doing this. But just by going by these first three cards, it's, there's definitely more questions than answers, at least for me. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you on that. Um, Drew, I know we talked and you had some stuff going on tonight. I don't know if you want to stay or if you want to go. No pressure whatsoever, but I know you had some stuff going on. Oh no, I'm 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 free for a little while. I'd love to hang out for a little bit longer. Well, guys. we usually go for an hour, so that'd give us about twenty five minutes. Um I know Ken wanted to talk about Tops Heritage and Tops opening day with the Tawny and supply and demand. So Ken, it was your topic. I'll let you kind of introduce it. Well, there were two different ones, but on the opening day, um, for you guys as, you know, more baseball collectors, my question was, um, we know that opening day is a lower-end product with the Otani mania and the difference, you know, Otani is hot before the season as opposed to Judge, who was during the season, and I don't even know if he was in the opening day set last year. Does opening day have any uh, any appeal to you? Um. I I like opening day. I mean, it's not something that I go after, and it's not something that I really, really like. just loves opening packs. Nothing else, I'm going to open it. Check it out. Now, I will say this year, from what I've seen, they did do a little better. But also the autograph checklist, even though tough to pull, the autograph checklist is wonderful. And the relic sets that they've done are the uh, pitcher's mound dirt 
and stuff like that. The game used pitchers, mound, dirt relics, and stuff like that. They included some really cool stuff this year, which made it a little more appealing to me than in the past. Collecting it and holding it, not so much for me, just because it. Chrome guy and stuff like that. So I'd I'd go for that well before I go after opening day. But compared to last year, I think they did a great job. Yeah, I would kind of agree with him. I'm not a huge opening day opening day guy. Um, I will buy packs just because if I'm at Walmart or Target already, an extra two or three bucks, I won't even notice. But exactly. I'm not going to buy boxes or even hunt down the autographs or relics unless it's something really that I need for my collection. The Otani, honestly, I didn't even realize he was in opening day at first and because I just kind of assumed he wasn't because he wasn't in top series one. Uh, but with Otani, I'm not a huge international player collector and with the Japanese, Chinese pitchers like Arabu and Matsui, I kind of always harken back to that and think, well, let this guy prove himself first before I get enamored with starting a collection. Absolutely. And that's that's one thing that, that just blows my mind. And we touched on it a little bit on uh, one of our last episodes when we talked about heritage, about uh, – about how crazy everyone was going about these Otani cards and about how insane the prices were right out of the gate. And I think, I mean, it's gotten to the point now where the, the card prices start so high that unless he, unless he has an Aaron judge type season, I mean, they're never going to sustain the value. And especially once stuff like Bowman, and tops chrome and all of that stuff comes out all those other you know autographs and stuff like that the don ross and even the heritage which you know heritage has that die hard older you know set but beyond those guys values just won't hold and so i i don't understand investing in somebody when it's right at the beginning and their prices are so high like for me an autograph out of 60 out of uh, what sixty nine was the red ink parallel, I believe, selling for five thousand dollars out of Heritage right out of the gate. I mean, that's just insane to me. I never understood paying that much money for a card when you could buy five cases of the product and probably get one yourself, at least. So I just I don't have Otani fever by any stretch of the imagination. Um, even as a Mets fan, I kind of caught a little bit of the judge a little bit of fever from last year just because everything was selling really well and seemed legit. You know, we'll see where that goes this year, but Otani just, just doesn't do it for me. No, and, and also I think the market that he's in is going to hurt him as well. I mean, I know he's got Trout there too, you know, with him, but – I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he's he's mostly a pitcher, and unless he's into Aaron Judge home run numbers, then he's going to be viewed as a pitcher, and his value, in my opinion at least, is going to be that of a pitcher, which we all know. I mean, pitchers' values do not hold up over time. Maybe Clayton Kershaw and a couple other people are exceptions, but 
all the hype he had at the beginning, he's going to have to produce astronomical and let to have a chance to hold this value. Yeah, I would, I would totally agree with you. Um, Ken, your heritage thoughts. Yeah, well, so you guys were, you guys segued that perfectly. My question was, and I had, I had uh, tweeted this on uh, Twitter, and I think I only got like one or two replies, but it seems like people are having trouble already finding heritage at retail. What are you guys seeing since we're in three different parts of the country? Are you seeing the supply dry up, or what are you seeing? Uh, well, I'm I'm in North Carolina outside of Charlotte, so if you go into the Charlotte area and everything and into the city, it's all gone. At least on the retail aspect, you can't find any. But I live a little outside Charlotte in the mountains and stuff like that, and so it can, and so there's still a little bit left, but it's flying off the shelves and it's getting out of there quick. And you know, normally I have some pretty good luck with Heritage. This year, not so much. I think I pulled a Chance Cisco Auto, which was nice, but other than that, I haven't had any luck at all. Uh, and Really, it shocks me that the retail has been flying off the shelves as much as it has because the Otani variation is hobby only. Yeah. And so you can't even get them in the retail. And I, I don't think a lot of people know that. And I think a lot of people are buying this retail expecting to hit Otani. And unless you're hitting the auto, which, you know, there, I'm sure there's some of them in the retail boxes, but you're not going to hit that variation that's pulling the, the massive amounts of money. I would agree with you. Um, I think it was it went really fast, and the Otani is a good point. I'm sure a lot of people don't realize, uh, but as far as my area, it's been a couple of years since I've really had a store or an LCS close. I'm talking 45 minutes. So for me, it's Target, it's Walmart. You know, there might be five WalMarts around, but that stuff goes quick, and when and I work beside a Walmart and a Target. So I check pretty much every day for stuff. And the Target that had the Heritage first, they were gone within three hours. I mean, it was, I checked on my lunch. The lady hadn't put it out yet. I went after work and it was gone within three or four hours. There were a few of the $10 boxes, the hanger boxes left. And then a few of the, uh, Five ninety nine packs, but all the boxes, all the twenty dollar boxes, they were gone. And my wife even asked me; it didn't seem like like there was heritage fever. You know, every time you go to Walmart, you're checking, you're checking, you're checking. And then it was okay. Well, it's all gone now. What do we do? And a couple of the stores around me have gotten it back in. And I don't know if you guys saw my tweet. We just actually cleaned out Walmart um, on their boxes of Tops Heritage. We left some of the packs. So I'll open those here later. But it was, it seemed like every day we were looking and all of a sudden it was gone. Now what do we do? Well, just on to the next one, unless maybe they stock heritage. But in my area, because of our availability of shops, it goes really fast. Well, and that was, yeah, that was what I was, that's kind of where I was going with that. Uh, sorry to cut you off there, Drew. It was just, no, no. We talk about, yes, the Otanis are not available in retail, but. You know, I've seen, uh, you know, on Twitter, I've seen a Hank Aaron Auto Red Ink out of 25 come out of a retail. Yeah. And I, I think if we sit here and we take we take everyone that collects, the people that have 
the ability to to hit a to hit a shop in, within thirty minutes is a, is a very very small amount of people. So that's kind of why I think you know, a you're not necessarily looking for Otani because it's just it's what you have available, especially if you're not looking to buy your box online because you want that that treasure hunt feel of finding the product and going out to your car and opening it. Right. Yeah. And then, and I mean, it's also, I mean, it's something interesting to me that it's happened just the last couple of years, really, as both companies of Topps Panini, they both started doing a lot more retail stuff, you know, retail starting to become a thing where, like you said, hits are, hits are available. I mean, like, like you said, Hank Aaron autograph and stuff like that. But it, I think, in the case of heritage at least this year you know it was the first major release for baseball i mean yeah you had top series one but i mean unless you're a set collector guy you know that set normally just goes by the wayside and you're waiting for other sets to come out and heritage in my opinion at least was really the first the first major product of the season and baseball has such a diehard fan base of collectors. I think they were just itching to get their hands on some new product. And I, I think that contributed to it flying off the shelves so fast. Well, and Jason, you and I talked, maybe it was the first episode of under this, under this banner we did, or maybe it was the second one, but you know, I brought up how, you know, it got to be October, November, December, and people were the thing on Twitter among collectors. I feel like was the, empty baseball card section at Walmart and Twitter or Walmart and Twitter, Walmart and Target. And I, we kind of discussed, you know, was it judge Bellinger mania or what was it? And, you know, here we are, you know, a couple weeks removed from heritage release and we're there again. I would yep. agree with you. But the only thing I don't think is the same is Otani hasn't proven it on the field. And if we are to judge him by spring training numbers, he has definitely not proven it on the field. Whereas with Judge and Bellinger, it was if one guy didn't hit a home run, the other one did. And then you had events like the home run derby where it was just a show like it was the one year with Josh Hamilton. Those guys could do nothing wrong last year. And so far, Otani – who's only been in heritage really. I mean, we can count Don Russ, but that, that's not in retail, at least not yet in my area. But Otani just hasn't proven it on the field and how many people actually follow Japanese baseball when it's not reported by ESPN or Baseball America, so on and so forth. Well, and I, and I don't disagree, but that, you know, goes back to the question I asked. Are cards just becoming more popular in general? I think it is spiked. Or I think are we seeing less out there or what is it? Because like Six said, here we are, two, three weeks past release date, and most people can't find it on the shelves anywhere. Again, it's early, it's heritage, it's the first piece of the year. You know, can touch base in six months and see what it looks like. But I'm just calling a spade a spade and here we are again, kinda where we were last so, year. So Drew, I have a question for you that kind of little tie in. There's a recent Recent basketball release, and we are not basketball guys, but there's a recent Panini basketball release that's pink and white wrappers and boxes. Do you know what that one is called? Pink and white wrappers and boxes. Uh, Are you talking about status? 
I really, honestly, I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering now if you even said it, if I would remember. It just came out within a couple weeks ago. Um, but so let me compare that. That box, those nice little uh, showcase display boxes that Panini and Tops come out with for the packs, the blasters, and the hangers. That box at my Walmart that's basketball is still full. And the Heritage has been sold out twice. And the opening day, opening day yeah. is gone instantly. I barely got a pack or two of that. So to do that comparison, granted, I'm not in a basketball area, but people are definitely buying baseball more. I don't know about other sports, but there's definitely an uptick in baseball. Absolutely. And uh, it, it is status now that now that I'm here in the uh what you were talking about, the display boxes, it is uh, NBA status. I believe that's what it's called. And uh, yeah, I think that uh, basketball is a fickle type of thing. They've got their certain products that'll fly off the shelves, like the Prism and um, a couple other products. But for the most part, that's it. And then the other ones, they will stick around quite a bit. And, you know, status is one of those that I think, just really doesn't have the appeal that you know the prism and everything else has and they just drop select as well and a bunch of other really higher end basketball products and you know i think that's why it sits and you know in in baseball like otani or any star rookie a judge or anything all of their rookie cards you know have quite a bit of value no matter the product when it comes to basketball it, at least from what I see, it's really a select few products that the rookie cards, the base rookie cards themselves command a high premium. And the rest, really, you can get for next to nothing. Ben Simmons last year would be a perfect example. His prism and stuff, you know, is astronomical through the roof. His Donruss, a couple dollars. And so, I mean, I think that's what it comes down to is that basketball collectors are looking at that as just one of the lower end products that, you know, really won't maintain the value. And with so many products that basketball puts out where the rookie cards are in such high demand, I think the basketball collectors stick much more towards that. It makes me wonder if there's any, I don't know. I'm just, Liz, I'm listening. I'm thinking, is it that there are baseball team collectors and low-end collectors is where basketball seems to be the uh, the card lottery more than baseball? I don't know. Or in a set, you know, a basketball set, you know, you've got three guys per team is where in baseball, you know, you're going to have more. I don't know. Just things I'm throwing out there. Yeah, and I also think, you know, with baseball, you also have, you know, baseball really is divided into two sets. You've got, you know, your prospecting and then you've got your rookies. You know, I mean, there's there's two really, I mean, two completely different types of collecting, you know, prospecting and rookies. Where Whereas in basketball, you know, you you don't have that developmental league. You don't have years to hype these guys up. You've normally got one year of college to watch them and then they jump out. And people are really hesitant, I think, to in basketball at least, to jump on some of these guys right away. A couple of them get the hype, but everyone else, I mean, you've got rookies that, 
are performing incredibly like Markinen and uh, Luke Kennard uh, in New York and stuff like that. And, you know, they just get no hobby love because it's all about Lonzo Ball and, you know, De'Aaron Fox and people like that. So it's just uh, basketball is a very basketball is a very odd and different uh, market. I should say uh, they're very fickle about which products they like, but the products that the collectors do like, man, they love them and the prices reflect it. All right, guys. So we talked about the living set heritage opening day, Atani, and somehow even got some basketball in the conversation, which will probably never happen again. So <laughs> I appreciate Drew being here since we're almost at an hour. I'm just going to go ahead and close it for the night. Uh, Drew, I sincerely appreciate you being here and please plug everything that you can. Oh, no, great. I greatly appreciate being on the show. Uh, I've been wanting to for a while and, um, I know I'm going to get you on the show soon and, uh, and you as well, both of you guys I want on soon. And, uh, I greatly appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk and, uh, Anybody that's listening that hasn't heard the podcast, definitely uh, come check us out. It's Let Me Get That Podograph and uh, support all the podcasts. There's some great ones and there's some great blogs out. And I've got uh, just for you guys, there's a couple of big things in the works that we're doing with Let Me Get That Podograph. It's going to expand a little bit bigger than just the podcast. Pay attention because we're... I'm, really pull some guys together like i said we've got a great a great group of podcasts here uh with you and fat, uh, beyond fat packs we've got you we've got sports card show lots of uh, you know lots of big things coming so i really appreciate you having me on today all right well thanks guys i appreciate everybody being here um i know this is a big basketball weekend so i want to ask you drew who did you pick? Um, I've got I've got Villanova over. And honestly, I want to say I have the same thing. I have Villanova UNC. I know Ken, you probably picked some winners. I picked West Virginia to win it all. Oh, here we go. So I think Drew actually just dropped off. He kind of had some in and out service a little a couple times. So We'll go ahead and close it up. Ken, tell us about the blog and give us a nice little plug, and then we'll go home. Yeah, I'll really. Uh, what I really need from you is just follow me on Twitter at Beans B Card Blog, and then I've got a couple of blogs that, uh, you know, I share those on there along with hundreds of other blogs. Um, you know, I just kind of want to be a follow for hobby information and just helping out blogs and just being good for the hobby. All right, well, thank you for listening. This is Preserve the Hobby. You can find us on Twitter at Preserve Hobby. And if you do subscribe to us on Google Play, iTunes, or even follow us on Anchor, please give us a review. It'll help uh, get us up the charts a little bit and get us, you know, help us spread the word about the podcast. So we appreciate it, and we will be back next week. Have a good weekend.